Hello and welcome to Emotional Self Mastery, the best podcast on regaining personal power, self-confidence, and peace. I'm your host, Cheryl C. Jones. And I'm Kathy, the producer of this podcast. Each week, together, we explore topics that will help you eliminate negative self-talk, worry, anxiety, and fear, so so you can live your best life. This week, I have the pleasure of having two co-hosts with me, Kathy Holscher. Hi, Kathy. Hi, Cheryl. And Brandy Hockaday. Hi, Brandy. Hi, Cheryl. These two wonderful ladies are part of my team. They help me produce a broadcast and also make sure that all that's supposed to happen in my world happens in my world, at least a good chunk of my business world, that is. The reason I've asked them to both join me today is that we've been experiencing many of the same emotions and experiences over the last week or so. And I felt like they had some expertise to lend to the conversation today regarding the reality of dealing with loss. It's really more than just a theory. Last week, we talked about dealing with loss courageously. We explored the conflicting emotions that we were feeling and what it means to be courageous. In the past week, all three of us have had difficulties because each one of us has had a beloved companion that has been very, very ill. And it's not lost on us that all three of us were having similar experiences at the same time. We don't quite know what to make of it, but we just think it's a very interesting reality. So if you'd like to learn more about dealing with loss courageously, be sure to listen to the Emotional Self Mastery podcast, episode eight, where we tell you all the great ideas that we had about how to get prepared for and deal with an impending loss of someone you love or an animal you love. We three friends have been involved in the throes of dealing with loss and losing our favorite loved ones, that is our fur companions, luckily not any human companions. I think that might be even more devastating, but let me tell you, losing our fur companions has been devastating enough. We have lost two cats and one dog. Panda, a cat, belonged to Kathy. And Foxy, another cat, belonged to Brandy. And Comet, a lovely, cute 12-year-old Shih Tzu, belonged to me. Today, I thought we should talk about what is the reality of dealing with loss. You know, we want to talk about more than just that left brain theological point of view. We want to really talk about what does it mean to be in this moment here and how are we getting through it? Because very often, lots of people have really good ideas, but don't really know how to apply them very well. We're going to take this to the next level and be a little vulnerable with you and share with you kind of what we've been feeling and thinking in hopes that it will be of service to you. I want to make sure that you realize that the intention for this podcast is not to get you down. In fact, there will likely be some funny moments and remembrances that will be shared during this podcast, and I hope that you'll laugh along and not see anything wrong with it. This is all about exploring the reality and sharing the various faces of grief. When you know what it is, it's easy to recognize it, and it's also a lot easier to deal with it. Let's talk about a little bit of the theory for just a minute. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross developed a diagram that explored the grief cycle, those stages 
of emotion that we go through when we're grieving. Now, this can be applied to losing a job, losing a friend, losing an animal in this case. And the five stages are denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. These are all tools that help us frame and identify what we're feeling, but they're not stops in some kind of linear time frame. Because what I know from past experiences is the chart typically starts up, up high and kind of slopes down like a roller coaster. And there are many times that I'm swaying back and forth with through all of those emotions. And it's not a, once you get through it, you're done with it. Because you might slide back into bargaining or anger at any point in time. And that would be natural. We're going to look and explore that a little bit and see where the three of us are. I wanted to check in with Brandy and Kathy, and of course, I'll share my point of view as well on a number of subjects around this idea of loss since we've been in the middle of it for the last week. I want to start with something positive, though. So I want to ask each of them, each of you all, to share with me a positive memory that you have of your beloved fur companion. Kathy, would you tell us a little bit about Panda? I would love to. Panda was a mutt, but looked like a beautiful Siamese. She was part of the feral cat colony that we conquered <laughs> when we moved into our neighborhood. It took us quite a while, but she was one of five that we had had for the over the last 20 years. And she was prissy. I'll say that about Panda. She was prissy, whereas her twin sister was a tomboy. <laughs> Panda didn't like to be dirty, and she didn't like to, you know, sleep outside like the others did. She wanted to sleep on someone's bed, and uh, she was my son's cat, so she literally slept with that boy every night while he was growing up. Um, and I wouldn't let him have a dog, but he had this cat. And so he made that cat sort of act like a dog for him, you know, stay by his side and hang out with them and watch him while he skateboarded. And, That's um, funny. <laughs> yeah. But she was prissy. Cool. Cool. And Brandy, can you tell us a little bit about Foxy? Oh, sure. Um, I love talking about Foxy. <laughs> so Foxy was a rescue. We did all of our research and we looked at the cats that were available. And my husband fell in love with a cat and we were just going to get one cat, right? So we go down to the ASPCA and I, my husband found his cat and that's just a done deal. I start looking at this other cat because she catches my eye looks like a cat I had in my childhood and as I lean down to pick her up Foxy reaches out and I had a hat on and Foxy knocked my hat off my head it's like yeah okay whatever so I put the hat back on my head and I reach back down to grab this other cat Foxy does it again and I tell her I'll get to you next don't worry about it and I reach down again she does it again I'm like okay well that's I, I have to pick you up now I have to <laughs> And, and that's exactly, that was my very first memory of her. And that's exactly who she was. She was just very aggressively friendly. And I reached in the cage and I grabbed her out and she just looked at me like, okay, I'm ready. Let's go home. Oh, too cute. And the sweetest thing when 
when she passed, we were here for it, uh, my daughter and I. And Foxy had lost the ability to walk. She was laying on her little mat in front of the refrigerator. And I sat down and she crawled into my lap and looked up at me. And it was the exact same look. It was the, I'm ready. I'm ready to go home, Mama. Mm. And, oh, it was, I, she just, oh, she was just the best. I love her. That's a story. Thank you for sharing that. I know that was hard. Definitely. Let's see. My memory of Comet, who is a, a kind of a petite Shih Tzu, we laugh because when his hair grows out, it starts getting curly. It's not straight like a regular Shih Tzu's hair is. And so I'd call him a Shih Tzoodle. <laughs> but the, the thing that cracks me up is that he'd fall asleep and he he wouldn't wake up, but he would be he would howl in a whisper. He'd lift his head up like you know a, a wolf would howl at the moon and go, oh, <laughs> you know. And it was hysterical. And occasionally he'd wake himself up and like look around, like what's going on here? <laughs> we just laugh. We just laugh because it was it was funny. So he had a lot of antics while he was sleeping. He'd run in his sleep, and I'm like, where are you going? <laughs> He's definitely missed big time here, big time. Where, I mean, each of us has had different degrees uh, of, or uh, different degrees of time that have passed since our beloved friend has passed. And so, Kathy, I think Panda was the first one to go of the group and followed by the next day was Comet. It was the same day. Oh, it was the same day. Okay. So, and then Brandy's was a little bit later. Where would you say you are on the grief cycle of denial, anger, or anger, bargaining, depression, or acceptance? Well, I would have to say depression and acceptance, mm. if, if that makes any sense. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, I don't, I, but I don't even think that I guess there were moments where I would say, you know, I just don't understand. She was fine three days ago you know, or four days ago. So I had that. But other than that, I didn't bargain or any of that kind of stuff because she, I knew she was older and she was, you know, had lived a good life. Which is great. Yeah. And I think for me, I have gone back and forth between bargaining and depression. I, I spent one whole day this weekend just kind of inviting and allowing depression to be there and not trying to, you know, push it away or stuff it down, just, just being in it. And it pops its head up periodically. And I will sometimes, depending on how intense it is, I might go to my closet and just cry because I really don't want anybody to hold me or comfort me. I just need to express it and allow it to go, allow it to be released. The, I think that the bargaining part for me is I want that, I want that companionship back. And the, and the truth of the matter is, is I, in a logical sense, I don't want Comet to be here and be ill. I don't, not that kind of bargaining. I, I, want, a health, I want a healthy dog, you know, kind of thing. So it's kind of, it's, it's, a, it's a tough place to, to be in when you think about it from a bargaining point of view. Mm -hmm. Where are you? I, I think I'm a lot like Kathy. Foxy was 17 and a half years old, so she was a very old cat, and she had a very happy, healthy, full life. 
and I've known for about a month that she was really sick. So I've had time to process some of the grief. There hasn't really been any bargaining. There is some mild acceptance, like cognitively, I understand she's not here, but it's the first time in 18 years that my cat doesn't, my home doesn't have a litter box. Mm. So there are things that I'll walk by the litter box and, oh, oh yeah, and it, and it hits me. And I think depression is, is very much where I am right now. Got it. Yeah. And, and have either of you like experienced it in a logical, straightforward way in terms of going through the, the um, Kubler-Ross diagram? Or has it been kind of, you know, bouncing around kind of thing? I think because we, we both had, you know, knowledge that they were on their way out. For me, again, I think Brandy kind of alluded to this, a lot of the grieving happened before the actual death. So I would say no, I didn't experience the the linear cycle that, that Kubler-Ross describes. I think mine was a bouncy, a bouncy re- reaction. <laughs> <laughs> All over the board. <laughs> right. And for you, Brandy, what was your experience? I, I agree with Kathy. I, I would say bouncy and all at the same time sometimes, right? Like I, 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 I can't, I don't think that grief is or any emotions are linear. You can't, we're all different and we all feel and experience things in a different way. So there's no way that you can really say, yeah, this, this is the way you move through this. Absolutely. And I think that's a really good point. It's not linear. And, and sometimes people think that it should be mm-hmm. if, if, if it's a loved one or they, they are in denial saying this isn't right or this shouldn't have happened. And in, in our cases, all of us knew, had some idea going into it that things were not good. And so like Kathy, I did a lot of grieving in advance and in fact, quite a while back even, because there was, there was some challenges he had almost a year ago that we couldn't figure out the answer to. And then, then only recently in the last month got really bad, you know, so the writing was on the wall. Part of my grieving experience, if you will, was to look at other dogs, which my family members didn't understand why I was looking at rescues and puppies. And it wasn't that I wanted to go get one right then it was somehow it was it made it a little easier for me to pretend or project or imagine the idea of having another animal so I I don't know I think some people don't understand at least my husband and son didn't understand very well why I would even look or even show them a photo of another dog so I'm wondering if, if you had any experiences like that. In terms of what I've done to get through it, sort of, I would have to say the, the thing that helped me get through it, this is strange, but Panda was passing and I was holding her throughout the night and, you know, I was there when she took her last little breath and that. And so for me, it was easier for me in the days that followed to think of the, that moment mm-hmm. than to think of when she was happy and frolicking around and being silly and wanting attention. And, mm-hmm. you know, when I thought of the sweet moments, that was when it really took me down. <laughs> so mm-hmm. 
when I thought of her releasing her life and being out of her pain and all of that, it helped me so much more than the sweet moments Gotcha. for a short time. I understand completely. Any insight there, Brandy? Again, I mean, I hate to say, sound like a broken record. I think every time Kathy talks, I should just say ditto. <laughs> but <laughs> Maybe it's a cat thing. Uh, maybe. Um, you know, Foxy left yesterday. I really haven't had an awful lot of processing time. Right. I think for me, I tend to, like a lot of mothers, throw myself into what can I do for other people? Mm-hmm. And so I've been doing a lot of that. I've been doing a lot of caring for my husband who's been ill and my daughter who is taking this very, very hard. And that's sort of, uh, I guess I just, I'm just not focusing on myself. I got it. Which is real healthy. (laughs) In some ways, in some ways I would agree. I think everybody, this shows the point that everybody handles it differently. And however you are handling it is just fine. You process it at your own rate, at your own time. And that there's no wrong way and no right way. I noticed that I started nesting, like cleaning closets and things like that. And so that's not unusual either. I think, you know, we need to be patient with ourselves, kind to ourselves. And if we need feedback and involvement from others, to, then we need to ask for that. If we need a hug or we need, you want people to say, oh, what, that was such a great cat you had, or that was such a great dog you had, or really loved your dog, you know, then share it with people, share the, the passing with them, and they will be kind and considerate, and they will understand. Those who are good friends will, absolutely. I know that it's been, it's really fresh for you, Brandy, and, and we have just a little more, Kathy and I have just a little more time between then and now, and I'm wondering, did you experience any conflicting emotions either prior to or during the event leading up to their passing? Well, I think because, uh, this is really hard to say, but I think because Foxy had been so sick Mm. and she required so much help, there was a little bit of relief. And like intellectually, I understand that that's normal, but emotionally, I feel like a traitor. I understand that. Yeah. A lot of, there can be a lot of... What Brandy said. (laughs) What <laughs> Ditto. Yeah. I talked last, last week about when my father passed that there was relief. I felt the relief of not having to worry about him and being 1,500 miles away and not being able to do anything to support him or help him. I felt the same way when my best friend died a little over maybe 12 or 15 years ago. And it was, it was relief. She had had cancer three times, and the third time was a doozy. There was relief in it because there was nothing I could do for her except for continue to be her friend and, and love on her. We feel guilty when we feel relief when they go, and yet it's a very natural thing. It's a very natural thing, and I would encourage all of us and anyone listening to not beat yourself up about it. It is just, it is just what it is, and it's okay. I'm curious to know, because these, these three animals were very, very much a player in our lives, and other people have their fur babies, whatever, whatever kind they might have, although 
I also have fish and I get upset when the fish die. <laughs> I'm a real sensitive folks. Um, <laughs> yeah. When the, when the pond out front freezes over and the, the placostomus in the pond freeze cause they're tropical fish. I get upset. <laughs> it's silly, but. I do. No, you should. That's that's really well, sad. I, well it is. Right. They're, they've been with me for a while by then. But anyway, so I'm curious to know, do you plan to do or have you done something to celebrate your pet's life? Is there something that you've done, like it, humans do funerals. Is there something that you either plan to do or have done in the past, maybe for other animals, to celebrate their life? For panda? We did have a little funeral for her. We have her buried in the same little plot where we have some of our former fur, fur babies. And the, the other thing that I am going to do is there are these uh, like crystal boxes that you send this company the photo of, of your pet and they create it into this crystal prism then you have like this beautiful permanent 3d way of looking at your kitty cat and remembering them so i've done that with others and i'm going to do that for her nice very nice i like that so for foxy uh, number one that's lovely cassie but number two um for foxy we are getting a ceramic paw print for my daughter and we plan to have a little memorial service when my son comes home from college. And the story, I just told a little piece of the story, Foxy's story from when we first found her. It's really a cool story. So I'm planning on writing all that down and aggressively sharing it on social media, whether people want to read it or not. <laughs> I think that's a heartwarming story. I love it. I think that's a great idea. And in our case, I'm going to make a shadow box. I'm waiting for the paw print and some of the other things to come in. I've got, I made a shadow box for his, his brother, Pino. And so there's a picture with the paw print and a couple little things in there. I think that is something that warms the heart and reminds us of how much love they gave us. And doing something special like that for me means a lot. It may not be important to other people. I remember I mentioned it on our last podcast that there was a vet that told me some people see their dogs as just, you know, cattle or whatever, and other people mm -hmm. see them as family members. And obviously we see them as family members. Clearly. Well, I'm curious to know, have you learned anything about yourself through this process or noticed anything about yourself? And have you noticed anything about how you love, you experience love? Well, what I've noticed is that I've spoken before that about having my parents in memory care. And at this stage of the game, with my father as fragile as he is, watching my cat pass was, you know, it was so close to home. And in some ways, I almost wonder if it's my precursor to, to what's ahead. But I just... I, I don't want to stop loving and, I, you know, I want to keep on helping animals and being in their lives and, you know, because they help us get through everything. <laughs> I want to keep on loving. That's what I've figured out. Cool. Thanks. I love that, Kathy. My father passed away in June of this year 
and I've had some challenges with my mother and I've, and I think also like pretty much any woman or any person alive, right? You, you wonder, am I really good enough? Am I worthy? And one thing that I've been able to see through this is that we had a cat who was 17 and a half years old and like acted like a kitten and wonderful and happy up until the very last month. And it's shown me that I really am good at taking care of people. And, and it fulfills me, not, you know, I'm not the giving tree and I'm going to give you my last leaf, but it, it feels good and it sort of reinforces that I am good at it. And that was, that's really lovely for me. That is lovely. Definitely. I think if anything, I've noticed that there's such a wide range of emotions that I've experienced over the last month, not only month, but probably almost a year regarding Comet and just my relationship with that dog. He was, he was our, our second dog, right? So Pino was the one that I chose from the, the two litters that were available and my son chose Comet. And Comet, I laughed because I wanted to name Comet Chardonnay. So we'd have Pinot Noir and Chardonnay. <laughs> so I still have that name available, Chardonnay. But the, the thing is, is Comet, they were both very independent dogs. And so what I, when I think back on the, the relationship, I go, oh my gosh, that's me. I do that. I, I don't always allow people close in to find out about it. I think I let you two in and my husband in closer than anybody else. I'm not always open and really honest about where I am because I feel like I have to put a, a shield up. And for me, Comet was that mirror, if, if you will. And so, were, so was Pino. They mirrored that wall that I would have up. And I, I think what I'm learning from that is, is to just do away with that wall, get rid of it be who you are, be in the moment, feel what you're feeling so that you know that you're alive, that you're having wonderful and healthy experiences, even if they're a little painful or even a lot painful, because to not feel is the worst thing of all. And when it comes to, to love, what I've learned from these two dogs is unconditional love. We need to learn from that and, and be more unconditional lovers, if you will, of other people. I think more often than not, we expect people to act a certain way to earn our love, but maybe, maybe these animals know better than we do. I would have to agree. Yeah. I love it. And Cheryl, I will say, if you name your next dog Chardonnay, you can call the dog Chard. <laughs> That's it. That's my input. Thank you. <laughs> Charge for short. I love it. Yeah, I'm going to have to get a really big name tag so I can get all, <laughs> all of the letters of Chardonnay. I would say that's the number one reason not to call <laughs> your next dog Chardonnay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's tidy up this, uh, this podcast. And there's a few things that I want to kind of cover toward the end here to just kind of remind people of. And one of those things is that everyone processes loss differently. There's no one right way. As you can see, the three of us have handled it quite differently. And there's no set time for grieving. Some people grieve a really long time and some people are able to work through it pretty quickly. Just don't judge yourself and don't judge others. Be patient with yourself and patient with others. And know that sadness can flare up at any time. 
we can have a memory that triggers and we feel the loss all over again. And it's not that you've backslid down the slope of recovery from grief. It's just what is. And that means you're human. And that's super important. And don't stop expressing your love for your animals and for the people in your life because they're just so valuable and, and you don't want to wait till it's too late to let them know how much you love them. And just remember that the more you love, the more you will feel loved. So what you put out, you get back. So the more you put out, the more you're going to get. I hope that was helpful. Anything else you want to add, ladies? I would just like to further dedicate this episode to those wonderful animals, Panda, Foxy, and Comet, who brought us so much joy. And I would like to say that I'm going to push my love out to you too, because I really love and value our relationship. So thank you both. Oh, thank you, Brandy. It's a pleasure to be in grief with you. Now that sounded funny. Right? Yeah, it's true. Yeah, right. (laughs) I want to thank you both for being here and sharing this experience with me today so that we can share it with the world and let them know that it's all okay. Until next time, this is Cheryl, Kathy, and Brandy. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in to Emotional Self Mastery. We'll be back next Thursday with a new topic to help you reclaim your personal power and self-confidence. Please be sure to subscribe to and like this podcast and share it with a friend. And if you want a deeper dive into Emotional Self Mastery, get Cheryl's book by the same title on Amazon. Download the first chapter for free on her website under the book tab. Want to receive a full recap of this week's content with resources and helpful hints? Sign up on the first page of my website at simplythebestresults.com. Talk to you next week.